So I posted on Facebook yesterday kind of the question of, have you ever asked the question, what's God's will for my life? Actually, raise your hand. Have you ever asked that question? Even just to yourself, what's God's will for my life? Almost all of us. These two haven't. You've never wondered what God wants you to do? Oh, you raised your hand. That's good. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we all want to know, what's God's will for my life? And some of you are you know, just graduating or you're entering your senior year of high school or you're about to go to Colorado to go to college. And some of you, you're wondering, what's my next step? And you know, when I was in college, I went through, I think, three different majors. <laughs> I was going to do three different things, trying to figure out what's God's will for my life. And it's a valid question. Uh, I thought Callie shared a great scripture during worship there about God's will of always in prayer, always thankful and joyful in all circumstances. That's God's will. And so we want to talk a little bit about that this morning. What's, what's God's will? And so we had this crossroads picture because I think this is life a lot of times. We come to these crossroads and we'll get stuck there going, which way do I go? Where does God want me to go? What does he want me to do? And we, and we can get stuck there and then not, not move, not move in life. And sometimes we might stay stuck there for five years trying to figure out what God has for us to do. And so I want to look at that today, but I wanted to point this out as we begin, as you think about that, you need to understand one thing. God cares more about who you are and, and who you are becoming than even the direction you go. He cares about your character. He cares about your faith. He cares about who you are way more than what you do. And who you are and who you are becoming will influence what you do. But that's what he cares about. It's not so much, am I going to be a doctor or um, you know, a swim coach? or you, you know what I mean? But who are you becoming? Your character. I think that's what God cares most of all. But also we see in scripture, God's will is for your holiness. We know that. God's will is for you to walk in the spirit, not walk in sin. He wants you to be holy. And now we're going to look at Jonah. Turn to Jonah, if you would. Turn to Jonah, because we're going to look at, you know, we're looking at God's will and the call. I think there's kind of a general call on each of us, a general will, which is, you know, be holy um, as he is holy. Seek, seek after God. And we're going to look at some more of what kind of a general thing we're all called to do and to be today. But until, and listen to this, until we fall in line with what I think is clearly in scripture, I'm not sure we'll get a more specific direction from God in the path. If that makes sense. If I'm not going to be obedient to the very obvious, clear things he's called me to do, I'm not sure he's going to speak to me and make things clearer. Like, I really want you to go this way and use it. I think it's as we start to obey and God starts to actually use us that then things get clear of, okay, here's a direction in my life. And I think God does do specific calls. You know, I think God has called me to do what we're doing here and he might change it um, in five years or what he's able to do that. And I think many of you, he has called you to do exactly what you're doing. Um, so let's look real quick. Jonah, we're going to start in, in chapter one, verse one and two. Chapter one, verse one and two. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. So this is Jonah's initial call. God speaks to Jonah, a message comes and he says, go out to, to Nineveh and call out against it. Now we talked about chapter one, two weeks ago. And last week at the camp out, we were going to go through Jonah chapter two, but we didn't. So actually this week I did a little podcast on Jonah chapter two. So if you missed that, you can log on and, and look at Jonah's kind of repentance as he's drowning in the sea. 
but he's called to go to Nineveh. He's called to do something, and he goes, no. <laughs> and he bolts the other direction. He goes in the complete opposite direction, gets on a boat to go even further in the wrong direction. So God throws a storm at him. Jonah has the opportunity to repent while they're on the boat. And he knows it's his fault. And these pagan sailors are all going to die. And he says, it's my fault. And he could have gone, it's my fault. I repent. God, I'm going to do what you say. And I think the storm would have stopped. Or maybe a wind would have just moved that, that ship right where it wanted to go. But he didn't do that. He said, to save your lives, throw me over. He didn't even jump over himself. He just said, throw me in. So he's in this rebellion. <laughs> Ignore. Anyway. So he's called to go. He runs the other direction. He runs the other direction. We know the story, right? Hey, we know the story. What happened to Jonah when he ran away from God? He got eaten by a whale. By a whale. That's exactly right. Way to go, God. God sent the storm. God appointed the great fish to swallow him up. So God does all this. And then this whale, we read this two weeks ago, vomits him up. Um, no, we didn't read that up. Here it is. It's, it's Jonah chapter two, verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah up upon the dry land. So there's actually a lot of things in Jonah that we're not going to get into, but God has control over everything. God spoke to a fish. I mean, God sent the fish to swallow Jonah, sent it to spit him up. He's like, hey, over there. And the fish is like, here, no, not there. A little further. You know, and we watched a video two weeks ago of it spitting him up. But that's what happened. It spits him up on shore. And that's where we pick it up. Jonah chapter three, verse one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it the message that I tell you. So picture this scene with me. It says arise. I kind of get the idea that he's still laying on the beach. He hasn't had a shower yet. <laughs> so the whale or the, the great fish, whatever it is, spits him up and he's there. On, and then here comes the message again. Hey, get up, get up, go to the city I told you to go to. And this time, Verse three, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. This time he obeyed. And that's the first point I want us to get. And this is in your notes. God is a God of second chances. God pursues people. The message of Jonah is beautiful. You see God's compassion for people. God's compassion for the Ninevites, evil people that were the enemies of Israel. They had perfected skinning people alive. This is who he sent him to. God was compassionate toward them. God wanted them to, to be saved. God was compassionate toward the pagan sailors who it looks like they were saved through this whole ordeal. At the end of the thing, the pagan sailors are sacrificing to the one true God, Yahweh, and his compassion to Jonah. He could have just let Jonah drown, but he didn't. So you see God's compassion over and over, but then here he's a God of second chances. He calls Jonah again. And this time, Jonah gets up. And now we're going to see that there's really three things. Three things uh, that, three parts to Jonah's call. Three parts to Jonah's call. So look at it um, in chapter three, verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise. So that's kind of the first one he says. He says, arise. And that's, that is what he said um, in Jonah one, verse two as well. Arise, get up. It's kind of getting his attention. You know, hey, 
Hey, hey, listen to me. I'm talking to you. And the way he did it to Jonah very well could have been an audible voice from heaven. That's not the way he does it to us, but he called him. He said, get up, get up. So that's number one, a call, getting his attention. Now I want to look at us because why is, why is the book of Jonah in here? It's in here to tell, I believe a very true story, but it's also here to teach us a valuable lesson because Jonah had a call. He ran. God asked him to do something. He went the other way. He got a second call. What's our call? What about us? Do we have a call? Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Jesus is speaking. And Jesus, who is God in flesh, says this, come to me. It's an invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we, we looked at this a few months ago, but that's God's call on you and me. We're not gonna hear an audible voice most likely, but we will get a call through scripture. That's why we need to spend time in it. We will get a call through other people, through his servants, through people like a neighbor. <laughs> You know, God, God will call, but here's Jesus's, it's really an invitation. And what's the invitation? He says, come follow me. That's the invitation. To a certain extent, that's what God said to Jonah. He's like, hey, do what I tell you, follow me. Jonah said, uh-uh, going the other way in rebellion. Our call found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 is to follow Jesus by laying down our burdens and taking on his lighter burdens. Listen to that. Our call is to follow him by laying down our burdens and taking on his lighter burdens. What gets in the way of us following Jesus? Us. <laughs> the things you have to do, whether it's a job, whether it's school and, and sports and all these things, what gets in the way? Our own sin? Absolutely. Our burdens, the things we carry, get in the way of us saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I'll follow. And so his call is beautiful. I love that. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture where Jesus says, hey, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Yes, I'm an American. I work really hard. Yes, I'm, I'm burdened. Yes, I have four kids and they're all in sports. I'm burdened. Yeah, we're gonna have two soccer teams this year. Yeah, we're burdened. Well, then come to me. <laughs> give those things to me and then now take on my burdens, which are lighter, Jesus says. In Matthew 4, we see Jesus, and I want to read that. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. And we see Jesus with four of his disciples. Matthew 4, starting in verse 18. I think it's, yeah, it's up there, so you don't have to look it up. It says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. What sticks out to you when Jesus said, follow me? They followed him. <laughs> the key word is follow. Jonah had a call. 
Get up, go do what I tell you. We have a call and our call is to follow Jesus. Our call is to follow. We don't know exactly where that's gonna lead, exactly. But the call is to follow. The call is to lay down our life, take on his life and go where he wants us to go. That's the call. To actively follow Jesus with your whole self. Listen, when we become Christians, American Christianity, a lot of it, it's, it's you, you become a Christian, you invite Jesus into your heart so you don't have to go to hell. Um, and then you just add Jesus into your life. He becomes your genie in a bottle. So now you still live life however you want, but if you need something, you just rub that little bottle and Jesus pops out. What do you need? What do you need? You know, it's from genie in the Aladdin. But you know, that's not, that's not the Christian life. Jesus doesn't become our, our pocket genie to give us everything we want. Instead, Jesus becomes our life. That's what it means to follow. He's not our helper, although he is our helper. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. He is our helper, but it's not our helper to do what we want. He takes over our life. So we look at this. We need, we need to understand what it means to follow. But also I wanna, I wanna see one more thing before we really move on is he calls Jonah a second time. He's a God of second chances. And look at who he uses to do this, Jonah. Jonah is messed up. Jonah is selfish. Jonah is broken. Jonah has a view of God. We're going to talk about this some next week when we're at the park. It's going to be great for whoever you bring. But Jonah has a view of God. He wants God to fit into his box. God uses messed up people. And he doesn't wait for them to get all cleaned up. He calls them right where they're at and he uses them. And some of those things that get in our way of responding are those things that we just burden ourselves with and we're stuck on. And so this, this Callie showed me this song um, last night. I said, this is perfect. We're gonna, we're gonna have to throw that in right here because it starts with what Jesus did for us on the cross. We can lay everything down because he died on the cross. He took all of your sins away and they were nailed to the cross with him. And then he gives you his righteousness. God looks at you if you're a follower of Jesus and he, he sees his son, he sees perfection, he sees righteousness. Then we respond to that with humble repentance and follow. Until that, the rest of this is gonna be pointless. So I want us to think about that a little bit. Play that, that song if you will. Truth is harder than a lie The dark seems safer than the light And everyone has a heart that loves to hide I'm a mess and so are you We've built walls nobody can get through Yeah, it may be hard but the best thing Bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine Cause love can heal what hurt divides And mercy's waiting on the other side If we're honest If we're honest Don't pretend to be something that you're not Living life afraid of getting caught There is freedom found when we lay our secrets down at the cross At the cross So bring your brokenness and I'll 
Doesn't that make the point? <laughs> if we're honest with our brokenness, if we're honest with who we are, then we can turn to Jesus because we know we need him. Then his sacrifice on the cross means something. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to come in here on Sunday and put on our Sunday face and go, I'm a good Christian, everything's perfect. We don't have to pretend. We can be honest, then we can help each other. And then... As we're honest, we receive the forgiveness of Jesus. We receive his life. It's beautiful. Then the rest can happen. Until then, the rest is just legalism. The rest is just religion. Because if it's not from your heart, then you're just doing these things. You're trying to earn something with God. That's religion. We don't want religion, do we? We want a relationship with Jesus. We want that loving response to then when we go, we're going with the right heart. It's a joy. It's not a chore. It's a joy. So now, let's look back. Look back at Jonah. Because we see, number one, there's his, his call. It's a rise. It's get up. He gets his attention. And we have our call. And our call simply is to follow. Follow Jesus. And then he says this. Jonah 3.1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Arise, get up, go to Nineveh, the great city. He got a command. So that's number two. Command. Get up, go. This time he did it. The first time he ran. Anybody relate to Jonah with the whole running part? <laughs> Where you've been told to do something and you're like, yeah, no. And maybe later. Uh, maybe never. That's what Jonah did. You, you've done that? Or did you have a question? Okay, you've done that. <laughs> so he gets a command and the command is to go. Now I want you to notice what his command. His command is to go to a city a lost city, an evil city, and cry out against it. And the reason Jonah didn't wasn't was because he was afraid. The reason he didn't is because he know, and we see this next week in chapter four, he knows that God is a God that wants to show mercy. And he knows if he does it and they repent, then God's not gonna destroy him and he really wants to see him destroyed. And so that's why he runs. But his command is to go, to leave his home, Israel, to leave his friends, to leave where he's comfortable. In this day and age, the time of Jonah, Israel was strong and powerful again. Life was good for Israel right now. This wasn't one of the times where Israel was getting whooped by all their neighbors and all that. This was actually a time where they were flourishing. Um, the kingdom was as big as it had ever been since Solomon and David. So times were good. 
Times were good. He was comfortable. And he's called to go, leave your family, leave your friends, go to a bunch of people you hate and cry out against them. That was his command to go. And I can't help but think what, what our call and command, our command is, is to go. But look at our city. <laughs> I believe we're sent to a city too. It's this city. It's Carson City, Douglas County. As you read through Nineveh, it's had a great city of about 120,000 people. 120,000 people. There's about 50,000 in Carson, about 50,000 in Douglas County. About the same size, oddly enough. Um, and we are very unchurched. You know, we've talked about this before. 93% around here don't attend any worship service. This is an evil city. Let's admit it. We live in an evil city. And I would say most cities are evil cities. I don't think Carson City is uniquely evil, but it needs Christ. And, and that's why we're here. I believe the Holy Spirit is moving and wants to do something here, just like he wanted to do in Nineveh. And wouldn't that be awesome if it happened to that scale? I think it could. I think it could. So his command is to go, to get uncomfortable. Um... Not a good time. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry. So, um, li- little side note. Little side note on this. On this. Where did, where did the father, the father of love, send Jonah, his servant, to an evil, horrible place? God will inconvenience his people for his glory. He is a better father than you and I. <laughs> he is, I mean, he probably wouldn't have a zip line in his backyard to make his kid fall off and broke their arm, but that's, he's a better father than, than me. <laughs> but here's what we do as American moms and dads is uh, we pat our kids up, we put helmets on them and, and uh, protect them from everything. And, you know, <laughs> and then we put them in a sport and everybody gets a trophy per- participating just so they feel good. And I mean, this is, this is what we do to protect our kids. That's not what the father does with his kids. He sends them to places like Nineveh. What did God do with his own son, his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ? He sent them to you and to me. Before we turned, when we were in our darkness, he sent his one son to suffer and die in his love. Won't he do the same with you and me? <laughs> Here's the point. Part of going, I think, includes for Jonah and for you and me, getting uncomfortable. Part of going means getting uncomfortable. It doesn't mean we, we just sit in our American thing and um, going means when the Mormon knocks on my door, I, I let him in um, and we talk about Jesus. <laughs> I think going means we get uncomfortable. Let's, let's look at our call real quick. Let's look at our command, our mission. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We talk about this a lot. These are some of Jesus's last words and last words are important. But he says, go make disciples of all nations. You know, we talk about this a lot because if somebody comes here for very long and they can't tell me what the great commission is, I'm failing as a pastor. (laughs) So you have to memorize this. So if I ask you, I feel like I'm doing my job. But Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And I'm with you always to the end. So the command is to go make disciples. Mark 16, 15, he says the same thing in a different way. He says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And these commands weren't just to the first disciples, they were to us. 
And you'll hear people teach on this and they'll say, um, go make disciples means as you go. And that's true, it does mean that. It means as you go, as you go about your life, make disciples. We're, we're not all called to go be missionaries. We're not all called to go be church planners, but we are all called to go as missionaries. That's why it's right there by the door. You're a missionary, go make disciples where you are. Are you a mom? Do you have kids at home? Huh, you got a mission. I mean, that's a big deal. Make disciples of those kids. So we don't need to feel like we all have to go do something else, but we do need to get uncomfortable. There's something about going in your workplace, in school. Those of you in high school, would it be uncomfortable if you really went in there with the mission of seeing people saved for Christ? Would that get uncomfortable? Maybe not at Sierra Lutheran. Um, Douglas, Carson, that might get uncomfortable. It might. I remember, you're a wrestler, I was a wrestler. I was at a tournament. And uh, we're, we're, it was a, an away tournament. We were in the hotel, and I'm, I'm in the hotel room with one of the other wrestlers, and um, I think it's my senior year, and we're sitting there, and we're getting our shoes on ready to go. And he looks at me, and he goes, and, and by the way, this guy was a sinner beyond all sinners. I mean, he was boasting about you know, all his stuff. And he looks at me, and he goes, how do you know there's a God? I'm like, what? How do you know there's a God? Well, and then coach came in and knocked. He's like, hey, we got to go. We're late. And we never picked that up. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> and I think I dropped the ball. I think I had an opportunity. Here was somebody who asked me, and I, I didn't, I could have engaged. He wanted to know. And I was uncomfortable, and I wanted to be comfortable. So I didn't re-engage that conversation. God's bigger than me, so I, I don't think that guy's doomed to hell because of me. But I missed an opportunity. So the point about going is, I think he wants us to get uncomfortable. Go. This means to leave your comfort zone for the purpose of kingdom work and God's glory. To leave your comfort zone for the purpose of kingdom work and God's glory. He did it for us. Jesus did it for us. And then we're called to do it as well. That's why our mission, it's to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. That's what we're here for. To grow in him and to take it. To know God and to make him known. That's our mission. That's our mission. You know, one of our, as we formed Common Ground or began to uh, a year ago and we had our meetings, we said, how do we know when we're successful? How do we measure success? You know, and you have to do that in business. It's really hard in church. But I'll tell you what, one of the things that was unavoidable, we said multiplication. Disciples making disciples and planting churches. We, we need to see the kingdom growing and the gospel go, going. We cannot be content being a church that is just, we, we have good things that we like going to and being together. We just can't. We just can't. <laughs> we aren't successful if it's not expanding, if it's not going, which means we're all sent to make disciples. So you're all missionaries wherever God has you, to your neighbor, <laughs> to uh, your classmates, maybe to a spouse, but we're all called to be missionaries. But some of us are going to be called because God says, go make disciples of all nations. There's something about even going and growing cross-cultural that some of you, are going to get a bug. Some of you are going to get a message from God saying, you got to go plant a church, that we need one in this location. You'll get a heart for something. Some of you are going to get a call to be a missionary, um, Taylor and Cassandra, um, <laughs> in Africa to orphans. Yeah. Um, but I'm serious. Some of you are going to get that. We're going to. And then it's up to us to respond. And you're going to look at it and go, I'm not going to make much money. And that's going to be really uncomfortable. But God says, I will be with you. So that's, that's our command. That's our command. 
It's as you go, but we must be intentional about going. We must be intentional. Um, one of the things that came to mind as I was thinking about this, um, you know, when we look at the book of Acts and they would preach and 3,000 people were saved, they'd preach again and... <laughs> Dang, phones! Yeah. Some knucklehead. Anyway, <laughs> Mark says that because he doesn't have a cell phone. <laughs> I would love to be free. Um, how do we, how do we in this world go? You know, we're, we're called to the poor and the downtrodden. We know that. And we're going to go, but also around here, there's a lot of middle class and wealthy people too. How do we go to them? Because we're not called just to the least of these, although I think that should be a primary purpose in any church is to help the least of these. But also, how do we go? Um, and I met with Bruce. He's the pastor of the Presbyterian Church a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about that. How do we reach them? And we both were kind of agreeing it takes real relationships, and real relationships take time, meaning we're willing to invest. We're not Jesus salesmen, but we're willing to invest in people for the long haul. Um, I'm not going to share the name just for, to protect the innocent, but... Um, there's a couple who, uh, who I know that they live in a neighborhood and, and they've had that, that approach. It's a wealthier neighborhood of we're just going to be there for the neighbors. And it's one of those homeowners association where they're all crazy. Um, but they're going to be there for their neighbors um, over and over and, and, and year after year and year after year. And, and then one of them, one of a, a neighbor, one of them died. And so, you know, they're not church going people. And so this couple, they were the ones that showed up. They were the ones that organized the funeral. They were the ones that collected the chairs, these chairs, to, to go set up. They were the ones that later that night when uh, sprinklers were having an issue, went over and fixed it. They showed up. And the response from some, it was I think a brother that was there, said, neighbors don't do this. <laughs> what is this? It takes time. And hopefully those people will attend a service at some point. They've been invited. It sounds like they might. Maybe to one in the park. Um, the point is, it takes time, and that's okay. And when opportunities come, we take those opportunities. Uh, and I think this, these, this couple, and someday I'll share with you who so you can learn from them, perfect example of just as you go, taking advantage of those opportunities, and God shows up like a neighbor who screams out the window, and you're okay being late to church because they're worth it. I'm serious. <laughs> That's go. Number three, okay. Word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, get up, go to Nineveh. That's the command. But then do what? Just go there and hang out? No, that great city and call out against it the message that I tell you. So number three, message. He was given a message. Jonah gave an eight word sermon that changed and saved lives. That changed and saved lives. He had a message. Now, I've heard this often within the church. I witness always and sometimes use words. <laughs> no. <laughs> Somebody can't know the gospel without hearing it explained. You can't witness always and sometimes use words. Witness always through your actions, absolutely. But if you never use words, it's not witnessing. They have to know the truth of Jesus Christ. They have to know the truth about sin. 
Jesus' sacrifice for our sin, his resurrection from the dead, and our response of, of repentance and turn and follow. You have to share it. You have to share it. And his message was in 40 days, you'll be destroyed. That's not our message. So don't do that. Don't put it on a board and walk around. You're all going to hell in 40 days. Um, but we do have a message. What's our message? Because we've already talked about it. You've had a call. Jesus said, follow me. And he said, go make disciples. What's our message? We already saw it in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's our message, gospel. The word gospel means good news. Specifically, gospel in that context meant the good news of a coming king. So uh, if a king was gonna be coming through town, they would send somebody on ahead and they'd say, the king is coming, the king is coming, everybody get ready. Here's the good news, the king's coming. And he's probably gonna give you stuff when he gets here. But the, the good news of a coming king, the gospel is the good news of a king, Jesus. That's the good news, that Jesus came. God in flesh set us free from our sin, died to cover our sins. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's our message, the gospel. The gospel is laid out very clearly in Luke 24, 46 through 47. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. If you don't know what to say when it's time for the message, it just told you, here's the message. The Christ should suffer, Jesus suffered. And on the third day rise from the dead, he rose from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sin shall be proclaimed. The response to that is repentance and you receive forgiveness. That's the message. It's not very long, is it? You could share that in an elevator. You could even hear their story a little bit and then somehow fit this in. Um, and again, I'm not saying be a Jesus salesman, but take advantage of opportunities. But, but that's our message. That's our message. That Jesus died for our sins, rose again. Our response is to repent, turn from sin, turn toward God through Jesus. Um, we've had these for a while and there's more in the back. If you wanna know how to share the message, the story. This is helpful. There's even an app. There's an app for that. The story. Use this to share. So what's God's will for your life? What's God's will for your life? To follow Jesus. God's will is to follow. Get up, respond, follow, and take the message. Give your heart to Jesus and let him be in charge. So how often are you going to ignore the call, even when it's inconvenient, or are you someday going to pick it up and answer it? Because the call comes not when it's convenient. It doesn't come at good times. It doesn't come when you're ready. It comes when he wants you. God's calling. <laughs> and again, he's not going to wait till you're comfortable. He's not going to wait till you've got it all together. You know what you're doing. But are you going to answer the call? Are you going to respond and say yes? Yes, not later, not ignore. And don't we do that? <laughs> ignore, ignore. I'm too busy, later. Boop, 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 ignore. Answer the call. 
And then what's the command? Go. As you go, where are you? That's where God called you to go, wherever you happen to be. You may have a call somewhere else, then go there and take the message of the gospel. Now I want to look at one more thing because we see that call, command, and message. But then what? Look at Jonah. We're going to read the rest of this chapter. It's not a big chapter. Jonah 3, verse 3. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Remember, this is the king saying this. Who knows? God may turn and relent and, and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Jonah, this time, second chance, Jonah messed up and broken as he is, obeyed. He went where he was told to go. He gave the message he was told to give and a whole city was saved. They repented. They responded. They turned. And here's the point I want to make. God gets the credit. Jonah wasn't called to save the city. God wasn't called to make them repent. God was, or, or, sorry, Jonah wasn't called to save the city or make them repent. Jonah was called to give a message. And that's what we're called to do. The results weren't up to Jonah. The results are not up to you and me. Meaning when you have an opportunity to share the message and they reject it, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And that's okay. That's not up to us. Share it again later when God gives the opportunity. The Holy Spirit's gonna work on them. But the, the results are up to him. Our job is to respond, obey, follow, share the message, and trust Jesus with the rest. It's a very free life, guys. It, it's not a life of worry and anxiousness because we're not worried about what's going to happen. We're, we're, we're here at Common Ground. We have a desire to see the kingdom grow and expand and reach the lost. And you know what? We're going to do what I think God calls us to do. But if there aren't results, that's up to him. That's up to him. And if there are, guess what? It's because he's doing the work and we don't get the credit. If your neighbor ends up being saved, guess what? It's not up to you. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh yes, we'll be excited because we get to join in the mission and our hearts knit, but he gets the credit. He's the one that convicts hearts. He's the one that sends us. He's the one that puts you where you are. It's not an accident. So here's, we're gonna do one practice thing. Any kid in here under the age of, 10, get up. God says, get up. Under the age of 10, get up. Come to the front. You don't have to if you don't want to. We get a call from God. Get up. Okay, so you got up. The call is to go for him. So you guys already responded to the call. He said, come. 
Now, go give this to someone you don't know in this room. Go take the message to someone you don't know. It's going to be weird and uncomfortable. Go give the message to someone you don't know. Someone you don't know. Oh, she looked sweet. That was easy. <laughs> Go give the message to someone you don't know. Good job, Elise. Nate, did you find somebody to give it to yet? Yeah. Right there. You gave it to Jenna. Another easy one. Sweet looking person. <laughs> That's our point for today, though. Looking at Jonah. Call, command, message. It's a free life, but a life of purpose, and it's exciting. But it all centers on the call. Are we going to say yes? Are we going to say yes? Or are we going to remain comfortable? Let me pray, and we're going to sing two more songs. Father, thank you so much that you didn't, um, you didn't stay comfortable yourself. Uh, Jesus, thank you that you didn't choose to stay comfortable. And I know you didn't want to do everything you did. Jesus, we see you in the garden before you went to the cross, praying to the Father, saying, if there's any other way, let it be. But yet you were willing to be inconvenienced. You were willing to suffer and die for us. And because of that, we have life. And our response is to say yes to you. We say yes to you. You call, we say yes. We know we're broken. We need help. We know we're not perfect, but we want to be. We want to be like you. Please help us. We say yes if there's anybody in this room who has not said yes, Holy Spirit, please convict them right now that they would say yes today to you. Yes. And then that we would go and give us opportunities to share this message. Please, you're already giving opportunities and it's exciting. Let us be bold. And let us be willing to get uncomfortable for you. And I can't wait till the party we have in the end in heaven. Jesus, when you're there at the table, it's gonna be great. I cannot wait to tell the stories and, and hear the stories. We love you. Be honored and glorified as we close in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.